You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 11th of February. 2021. This is Jim Edge from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and uh, this week we're, we're joined by Michelle Stinson-Ross, she's the Marketing Director at a mental health startup called Mindful Happy, and uh, she's one of the industry's go-to people when uh, when you want to talk social media and the goings on in the social world. It's been a, uh, a wacky year in social, so we, uh, we wanted to bring Michelle on to Give us an update. She'll be joining us after our first uh, our first break. Um, before we get there, Dave, it's been uh, it's been one of those weeks. How you doing, bro? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? Baseline is going to be so dramatically different <laughs> every time. It'll be like, how are you doing? Bloody fantastic. I have never been better. Will be how I'm answering every time somebody asks me that. My bar is now so low. Oh, <laughs> what good is it's like? Well, I'm breathing. It's actually freezing and snowing here in Victoria today, so the weather's crappy, but it's still good because I'm alive and 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 I have clients, right? Like that's where the bar is now. Um, Speaking of a uh, a quick shout out to our our poor beleaguered listeners in the uh, in the Austin region. <laughs> uh, you guys, it, 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 the North sends its regards. Um, you guys might be mollified to, to know that for the first time in over 100 years, all of Canada is below freezing at the same time. So we're in it with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also watch out for black ice on the roads. You guys don't have snow tires and have no concept of what 
Like, just, just, just be careful out there. You know what? I, I'm personally taking the hit on this one because a week ago I was taunting my dad with cherry blossoms on trees. And so it's like, yeah. And God went, Dave, you suck. You so deserve this. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is just karma, man. You just yeah, so deserve it, this. It was me. And so now there's like 3 million people in my area, like counting like Vancouver and stuff that are like, we hate you, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow that descends on us in Central, in Central Eastern Canada and uh, much of our listening area is already under a polar vortex. It's going to be awfully cold. Uh, friends, remember, um, cold's real. Almost as real as COVID. So protect yourself from it. And don't... Uh, for instance, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, where uh, where Michelle is sitting, it is zero Fahrenheit, which on the Celsius scale is awfully cold. <laughs> That's about Man. where I go with that, too. I'm like, I don't know exactly what that is, but I don't want to be in it. So there just we go. Know, <laughs> just know it's bad. Danny Goodwin had a baby girl. Congratulations, editor of uh, of uh, Search Engine Journal. Congratulations, Danny. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, um, to quickly go over a few things that actually might have happened in the search marketing world, Google's testing dark mode. Have you seen that yet? Google, uh, Google black screen. I've only seen um, screens of it. I haven't seen like not the implementation. I mean, I've seen dark mode in Chrome, but um only the typical i haven't seen this implementation of it and listeners might be surprised to know how much energy it costs to have a bright white screen so this this is an idea that came up like like years and years and years ago like at the dawn of the of the home computer age there was a debate literally a debate over whether to have um dark screen or white screen as the dominant background Mm -hmm. white screen run out one out because of the cost of toner printing toner i i kid you not because it costs so much for printing toner we have um energy expensive white backgrounds um as the norm now google's trying to turn that around a little bit um again when google needs to fire up um electricity get get enough electricity for say a new server farm it buys a dam a decommissioned dam or old hydroelectric project um, so anyway, Google can save money. It's going to try to save money, especially, especially on, um, costs it can save on like energy costs rather than staff costs. <coughs> so Google's trying publishing a dark screen. <coughs> There's many problems with that. <coughs> Excuse me. There's many problems with that in that users aren't used to seeing it. And the dark screen tends to hide advertising, makes it look a lot like, um, like, 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 like regular organic search results. Um, what, based on what you've seen in the, in the media, Dave, what, what do you think? I am not going to pin this or not. You know me. I, I'm the first to go, yeah, Google, you're trying to hide this. You're trying to, like, bury it again, right? Which they, I mean, don't get me wrong, they are. And I'm sure they're going, yeah, pleasant byproduct. But in, in this one, I don't think that was the reason. Um, and it does, because it hides the ad as much as it hides the description right as much as it hides anything else like it all just sort of goes gray so yes the advertising logo or or symbol is less prominent but then so is a lot of other information about that ad right so if they were making this like super bright white description tag and then letting the ad go gray now when they do that and i'm just gonna say when not if 
when they do that and they pull the ad into a bright white on that darker background, but still leave the ad as this like darkish gray. Okay, then I'll have a different conversation. But while they've still left the actual ad copy and everything that's sort of the same as the ad, I, I think it, it, it sort of it, it tones down as much as anything around it. And so I, I don't pin it on them quite as, as much as anybody else. Now, I'm happy to rant about a number of other things Google does on, on the advertising space. But um, on this one, I'll, I'll give them a pass and, and sort of go, it just is the nature of what dark mode is doing. Yeah, I don't think they're trying to do anything nefarious. In fact, I, th- I think I think the exact opposite is true. I think they're trying to find a way, an easy win to uh, cut a carbon footprint, save some uh, save some electricity. But that easy win is going to have um, repercussions in that we're going to be seeing things differently, perceiving things differently, and demonstrably, it, it seems to hide the ads on screen. That's just that's just they just sort of blend in. But again, I don't think Google's trying to trying to do anything uh, underhanded here. It's just um a clever way that you know most people wouldn't think of to, to save energy yeah no i think it's good and when they do brighten the title and description now we'll have a different conversation and they will i'll just say they will do this um and, and they'll keep the the sort of ad logo that gray because they'll just leave it for a number of months after the full deployment so that we've all just become used to that lighter gray or that darker gray sort of ad that's that's what they'll wave this is dave predicting the future but this is just dave predicting what google does with greed is their motivation so if if and or when that happens you heard it here first (laughs) folks something google did do i mean like they've done this there's there's no two ways around it (laughs) your reaction was pretty swift and furious uh phrase match expanding to cover broad match modifiers yeah their wording of this just you know what? I'm going to say it, and I apologize to, to, to the iTunes store. It just pissed me off um, because they lied. They, they, they misrepresented right out of the gate. I'm just getting wound up here. on the okay, How did, how did this, go, how did this go. go down from the beginning? Okay. Basically, what they announced was that they were sunsetting modified broad. So for mm-hmm. folks who don't know modified broad, if you take your normal ad broad match, where Google gets to pick up their very, very loosey-goosey thesaurus and go, if it kind of seems like it's kind of going to fit this word, we're going to slam it in. Um, and, and we're going to make that match. I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying a little bit. They don't say it that way, but, but it's basically what they're doing. When you go with the sort of modified structurally on the page, you'd be putting a plus sign in front of each word. And basically what that means is both of these words, in the case of a two keyword, which is the example that I'm thinking of in my head right now, both of those words as they are, maybe a pluralized version, but they need to be in there any order and 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 they can be separated. So like by, by spaces. So if I was running a campaign for blue widgets, it could be free blue widgets. It could be blue entertainment widgets. It could be any, it could be widgets that are blue, any of that, but they would all be, be captured under this umbrella phrase match would be if i had they would have quotes around it if it was blue widgets i meant it needed to have blue widgets exactly in that order it couldn't be widgets that are blue but it could be free blue widgets blue widgets that are free blue widgets that are blue blue widgets needed to be in there what they announced was that they were phasing out modified broad and this is what pissed me off um is that they're lying they're not phasing out modified broad they're phasing out phrase because what they're doing is that they're turning phrase match into modified broad. So I can no longer go in these quotes. It needs to be blue widgets, just blue widgets, blue widgets that are free. I would take stuff before and stuff after, but you can't inject something in the middle. 
um, of this and you can't switch their order of these keywords. It has to be blue widgets as a phrase. That's what they're phasing out. They're not phasing out modified broad. They're just saying, if it has quotes around it, we're treating it as the modified broad. And that's what really, really annoys me about what they're doing is that they lied about what they're phasing out and they're taking control away from advertisers and, and ad creators. Well, I was about to say, functionally, you're losing a great deal of control here. Why would Google want to uh, mislead you about that, mislead, mislead the, the, the industry about that? Because they're, I think it sounds better. Um, and what they're doing is that they're phasing out the syntax of modified. Like they're, they're, they're phasing out that syntax will no longer exist anymore. And we're already starting to, to move people away from it or like create the safety nets or, around it so that we can phase it out when we're, they finally like boot us out. Um, of the thing it's going to be a pain in the butt for those people with larger campaigns and people with smaller campaigns it won't really be a pain in the butt because the, the cost it'll be cost prohibitive to do what needs to be done to really uh, like uh, accommodate this um which will be we're going to need more ad groups we're going to need more negatives we're going to need more like more adjustments of things to try and keep up with this um and that only really works at scale like it only is really going to work on larger campaigns because if you're running these small campaigns with $500 a month budgets or something, right? You're running your own campaigns and this and that. Is it worth the time or do you even have the know-how to know what to do with this? So what is really bothering me is not just like, I love making money. So saying, Dave, you have to do more money for your biggest client or you have to do more work for more money for your biggest clients. Yeah. All right. It was like when they went HTTPS, it's like, yeah. All right, I get to charge for that, right? Like, I mean, so so there's that angle. But the people that are going to really hurt are the people that don't know. The people that I was just on the phone to literally about half an hour ago who just opened everything up broad and then asked what's going wrong with my campaign because they didn't know. They have that level. How are they? And like, I walked them through setting up their, their exact match and stuff like that with the caveat of going, and this one's leaving, but you might as well set it up now. <laughs> Talking exactly about what we're doing now is it'll be the people with the least access to information um, that are not going to be able to adapt to this as, as quickly. Um, and it just, it just bothers me that, you know what? I don't like any time you take my control away and they've been doing that over and over and over again. And I just, I instinctively don't like it. The only joy or, or the only, I guess not even joy, but the only thing that placates me in this one is going, well, sucks for everybody. It's like when they remove keywords from organic, it's like, well, at least everybody else is suffering at the same time. And as long as all paid managers, I tend to focus on CPA. It's like, well, if we all just focus on CPA, then, then we'll do okay. Because all of us are just going to pay a little less for the rubbish traffic they're about to send us. But um, in the long run, this being Google, um, bottom line is probably better for their bottom line somehow. Yeah? Oh, I think if, if, I, if I'm Google, if I'm foreseeing what Google's trajectory is for five years, it'll be how much do you want to spend? That's all you need to tell us. And that they just take away everything else <laughs> beyond that, right? Like what's your budget and what's your landing page there? Uh, don't even bother telling us the landing page. We're just going to crawl your site and we'll pick the best thing um, to tell us how much you want to spend. Um, that, this is this is Dave's prediction of the, the you know, 10 years from now paid search management where all we'll be left to do is create the, the images for the display ad because Google's machine learning doesn't seem great at image recognition. If and when that happens, folks, you A, heard it here first, and B, I'll be retired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank God. That, yeah, that's why I can smile about it, too. I'm like, well, my my trajectory doesn't have me worrying about that then. Uh <laughs> Something your trajectory might have you worrying about. We only got time for like well, like one more story. So I want yeah. to cram this one in here because I think it's many of our listeners will be interested. SMX Create. 
So because of COVID, there's been no in-person conferences for almost a year now, eh? Mm-hmm. It's almost been a full year. And uh, one of the neat things I, I, I've been I've been noticing, um, SMX is sort of re- has SMX always was was always doing like these micro conferences on on uh, like unique subsets or ideas or um, even even like groups of tasks inside the search marketing industry, and they were seeming to focus that way. Since COVID, they've been really really doing that, and they have a new series, SMX Create. It's looking for speakers. And um, they're looking for people to, to pitch to them. Now, if you're in the creative side of uh, the search marketing world, you're a content creator, um, you're uh, 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 making up websites, you're uh, adding schema, you're, there's um, uh, uh, working on structured content, uh, doing video, uh, working in different mediums, ex- uh, uh, writing ad copy in PPC, doing landing pages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. SMX wants your talent and uh, knowledge, and um, they're asking you to pitch quickly within the next couple of weeks. Deadline is uh, February 26th. Um, Kay Bushman at thirddoormedia.com. Kathy Bushman um, from Third Door Media or SMX is asking for your submission. So um, check it out. They posted this late yesterday. Um, and it's a, it's in the virtual conference world, but, um, these conferences are going to eventually go back to the real world. I think, I imagine, um, if you need a, need a speaking gig, this is a good one to get. It's funny. You, you had shared this in our, in our chat as like a a story that you wanted to make sure we covered. And I'm like, ah, Jim, shut up. I'm pitching that one. (laughs) Don't tell other people to do that. Just leave me there, man. Whatever. All right, people. I'll, I'll compete oh. against you for a spot. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dave. No, I, 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 I'm absolutely kidding. This does look like it's going to be, it's a really interesting idea um, for a conference. Like it is a little bit different. There, I've seen tracks like this, but I've never seen a whole conference dedicated to it. And you're right. SMX is doing an amazing job of pivoting. And I think they're actually going to exit this stronger um that they entered it even though they ended up having to take a, a chunk out from having those those in in person ones i think when when we do roll out and they can i i see them blending sort of specialized ones like this maybe it's still virtual and then just having those anchor ones um you know at an even higher quality than maybe they were putting out or, or a more more diverse um set of speakers and and and, and content offerings um I, i've been really impressed with what i've been watching from both smx during this um and sej has also been doing a great job with their e-summit um, well, and the cool so. the cool thing about both is um how they're getting better at it i mean i got i got the first ones with all love and respect um and then also to, to to all love and respect to um the uh dallas search marketing association oh, yeah. um the first ones kind of um sucked to to be polite about it but there, but it's a new format. I mean, like it's just, it's 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 like it's like uh, learning new plays um, for the first time, N- never having done this before. Now we're getting better at it. Well, yeah, because we were looking at an industry that had a few people who were kind of making virtual conference software because, well, it kind of seemed like a neat idea, but there was very little buy-in. And then all of a sudden, every major company in the world was going, "We need that." Right? Yep. And they had this software that just wasn't built. So it was the first few that were doing it. I was like, oh, you poor buggers, because you're showing these software manufacturers 
why their software isn't capable of doing what they thought it was going to be able to do. Um, so yeah, it was nobody's fault other than yours happened to be at the wrong time on the schedule. I, I think our next guest might just have an opinion on this. That's the, that's the <laughs> absolutely. In fact, we got to get to a break so that we can get to our guest, Michelle Stinson Ross, who's the uh, marketing director at Mindful Appy um, and the industry's go-to person on uh, on all things social media. Before we head to break, I'm just absolutely morally obliged to say Tom Brady is the goat, greatest quarterback of all time. Don't gotta like the man to admit that he's just a damn good quarterback. Oh my God. Anyway, friends, you're listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 11th of February, 2021. Stick around. We got Michelle Simpson Ross talking social coming back after these messages. Looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 11th of February, 2021. Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from VSOC Internet Marketing, and Dave and I are uh, joined today by the one and only the wonderful Michelle Simpson-Ross. Marketing Director at Mindful Appy, a uh, startup dealing with uh, mental health. And uh, as I said earlier, Michelle is the industry's, one of the industry's go-to people when it comes to just talking about social media. She uh, started carving out her niche in social about 12 years ago, has um, become a frequent conference uh, speaker. And again, when I got questions, Michelle is one of the first persons I, I will always go to. Michelle, welcome back to Webcology. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be back. Well, it's wonderful having you here. Um, before before we get into a whole bunch of questions about social, because <laughs> what is Mindful Appy? Um, Mindful Appy. Yeah, I I, I mentioned Dave, Dave asked how I was doing, and I said I'm doing COVID okay. Um, and you wrote in our in our little uh chat room oh my goodness this is exactly what mindful appy is all about what's mindful appy all about so mindful appy is actually a workplace mental health platform basically we coordinate with companies to help companies be more empathetic about 
particularly their employees, but it can also be applied to their customer base. Um, it could be in a nonprofit organization with their membership as well. Basically what it is, is a SaaS solution that say an HR department could deploy to have a regular mental health check-in with their staff. The individual staff member basically gets a text message that asks them, how are you feeling today? Respond with an emoji. All we ask in response is just that one emoji. Our system then translates that emoji into a specific emotion and a numerical value that we can then track and report back anonymous data to the HR department or whatever as to how as a group people are doing. So basically they get either a bubble chart or a word cloud or some kind of large data pool that says here's here's the overall responses that you're getting. It also, because of the way we do it, the middle finger emoji never shows up in any of the reporting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I have to ask, how about the pile of pool emoji? Same thing. Um, <laughs> it's actually, actually pile of pool is designated as silly, I believe. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, there are, there's been some mornings where I would have happily and not even in the in a silly way, have delivered that emoji back if asked. All good. You can you can use any emoji that best represents how you're feeling when that little ping comes through on your phone. I've been using it myself for several months now, and I kind of like it because I can actually scroll back through my responses over time and I get a sense of how I'm doing. So when Dave was saying, yeah, eventually we're all going to be never been better. Um, I can see that progression in my thread from mindful Appy. How's the, uh, how's the growth of the company? How's it, how's it picking up? Uh, we're doing well. We have been, doing a lot of testing. We have actually partnered with NAMI, um, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, oh, their Central Texas um, branch. And we have tested it with now three companies. And we are currently in the process of looking for our first round of investment funding. Oh, brilliant. Okay, we, I, I, I want to jump into the social media questions. However, we have been hit with breaking news. Um, usually, usually they announce this up just after our show. Passages is live. Uh, Danny Sullivan, search liaison, um, Danny Sullivan over at Google, um, just, just, just under an hour ago, announced um, search passages is now live, active, and it is a thing. So um, Google can start extracting little snippets of information directly off pages um, and uh, return them as search results. Okay, we will, we will talk a lot about that um, coming up. Um, but we were prepared to do a, I really want to do a, an interview on, uh, on social because there's uh, <laughs> it's been a transformative year to say, um, I, think, I think that transformative is a weak word to describe the year in social michelle um if uh if somebody had been in a coma for a year how would you explain what's happened in the social world to them 
I would probably say, yeah, just just put your phone down and, and just not for a while yet uh, <laughs> until you're caught up with, with everything else. But um, I think a lot of, how do I say this? All right, so a lot of the discussions around the economic impact of COVID were that COVID just made a lot of things that were going to happen happen faster, right? Yeah. We've, we've heard a lot of people saying that. Same thing with social, really. We're all forced to be at home. How else are we going to communicate with one another but use the platforms that we already had access to? So a lot of the things that we were already seeing as being worrisome or kind of causing people to go, hmm, all of that just accelerated because of COVID. So things like, you know, the way politics shook out here in the US over the presidential election and the echo chamber effect that happens in social media. It just got amplified because that's where everybody was. It just got more obvious that that's what the problem is. So one of the things that I really feel like has needed to happen for a while and now is just patently obvious is that the newsfeed algorithms, particularly Facebook's newsfeed algorithm, needs to change. Rather than serving up more and more of exactly the same thing that people already engage with, they need to retool that a little bit to serve up things around topics that people are interested in so that we get a better, more well-rounded view of our world rather than just getting more of the same until all we see is the thing that we already think we we know, we feel, we believe. Well, well I was, I was going to suggest that the, the resonance of the echo chamber got so loud and so... Um, to the point that our eardrums were bleeding? Yeah, I kind of well, think so. It broke the machine. Social media itself, in many ways, broke. Um, Twitter went as far, um, and Facebook as well, went as far as removing a sitting president from the uh, primary communication tool in, in that, that's, that's evolved in society. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also preventing a running record of the sitting president's ideas, thoughts. Um, well, and this and, is and the sitting case, president just... that had, when he first took office, said that this was official government communication over not the POTUS Twitter handle, but his own personal Twitter handle. In, in, indeed, but but again, that it went as far as to have that happen in a country that prides itself on incredible record keeping. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just that, 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 that was a phenomenal thing. Again, showing that the machine itself was breaking or cracking or fissuring, but out of it has been a rise of a whole bunch of new social media applications. Certainly. Um, so I was going to, that's I want to try to be political as much as possible in the show because I think everybody I knows where, where most of our. I play in your so I'll go play in mine. It, that's definitely what was going on here. Um, are there winners and losers from the last year in social media? Um, honestly, I think, <laughs> like elections, it may be too early to tell. <laughs> okay. Because so much of this just launched within the last year. Will Clubhouse actually be a thing? Well, Clubhouse isn't going to be a thing until Android users can get on it. They, you know, there's a huge population of mobile device users that can't even use Clubhouse yet. 
I'm one of them because I don't have an Apple device. Um, even as far as Parler and some of the things that launched as alternatives to what we've been using, eh, eh, it's really too early to tell. I mean, Parler had to fire their CEO. So who knows whether this thing actually lasts long enough to determine whether it was the winner or a loser. Now, I mean, it's, it's funny because you, you list an interesting one. It's been my gripe too. I'm an Android user, like on, on Clubhouse, determining winner or loser. And I'm like, well, I guess as like me, this might be one of my first instances of joining a social network and going, well, all the good spots are taken. So there you go. Like I, it's too late to get started because you all have had like months and months and months. As far as I'm concerned, I, I think this is, they're right now in this time, like building the gun with which they'll shoot themselves in the foot. That's just, well, uh, let's, let's consider video streaming as part of social media. Mm -hmm. So when all that rolled out a few years ago, we had Meerkat, we had um, Periscope. Meerkat doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Yes, I do remember Meerkat, wow. but after Meerkat and Periscope rolled out, what happened? Well, Facebook finally got on the bandwagon and got live streaming video within the platform. Um, Twitter bought Periscope. YouTube finally went mobile. So a lot of the things we saw emerge over the last 12 months probably are not even going to exist in the form that they're currently in existence. So, like I said, to pick a winner or a loser at this point, it's like, who knows? Who knows? Well, and what do you think are the chances that we're building strategies now to pivot while at the same time, and pivot, by, by 2022, I hope never to hear that word again, by the way, even though I just <laughs> used it, I'm really hoping to never have to hear it again. Um, but we have all these companies that are ramping up. We have all these like virtual conference softwares, as we were chatting about, sort of being, mm -hmm. being developed that what will happen to them and and are we what do you think do you think somebody even just strategies not even companies but just strategies that we're now training ourselves on will they cascade properly or will they just be like 2008 was where it's a lesson in reaction and next time this happens we'll know faster what to do but because i know if we were there for 2008 you were we we all kind of we kind of knew what to do when an economy crashes around us, right? Like we'd been through this before. So we kind of knew what to do. I knew how to react. I knew how to reach out to clients in advance and stuff. New people didn't. Will the, will the strategies we're using deploy properly and, and cascade properly? Are we different? So the strategies will, will be changed and different, or are we going to go back to the way we were and we just need to put these in a book to go, all right, when this happens again, pull this out and use it uh maybe a little of one a little of another i will be honest with you most of the advice that i give clients businesses people that i'm training to use social media is not changing actually i'm going to tell anybody that needs to maybe adapt rather than pivot let's let's be honest we're adapting and we're going to be constantly adapting but in order to adapt what you've been doing to what's now available to you, evaluate, is, is your customer base actually on that thing? If, if it is, then great, use it. If not, protect your brand, claim a spot so that nobody else will claim their you in that platform. But then it's okay to just leave it as a placeholder. I, I'm just protecting my brand. People are used to that. 
and look at what's working and what's continuing to work. So I brought up live streaming video, right? And a lot of businesses, especially small businesses, are still trying to use organic social in some sort of meaningful way. Well, the only way you're going to get any kind of meaningful engagement out of that is to use live streaming video on those platforms. So that's the adaptation that you need to adapt to in this particular moment. Now, having said that, what does technology offer us this year that maybe it didn't last year that makes that adaptation a little easier? That's actually what we're evaluating. For instance, I am getting into podcasting again myself for the first time in a few years, and we are launching um, both a podcast and a live stream for Mindful Appy. Well, how am I going to do all of that when I'm just one person? I'm making the best use of technology. We're going to start testing Restream, which allows me to sit down at my webcam, my partner to sit down at her webcam. We can do live video streaming to multiple platforms, which means we're simulcasting and not just doing it on Facebook or just doing it on YouTube. We're capturing all of that. I can then pull the audio down, do whatever editing I need to do, and send that out as a syndicated podcast later on. So that's really the reality of the world that we're looking at now. It's not so much as, oh, what what's the next big thing? But how do I use emergent technology to do the job that I'm already doing as best as I possibly can? So, so what I got from that... Um, the, the... <laughs> With a lot... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The, the, the one thing that really stood out was the, that social media is um, bifurcating now. There's, it's, it's jumping in or separating into smaller and smaller um, platforms. Yes. Um, Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, Parler, um, uh, Instagram, etc. Instead of finding one platform, um, it's easier for, for you and your partner to just simulcast across many platforms get as much of that traffic as possible. You're not, you don't seem to be worried so much about um, what audience is at what platform is using what characteristics, et cetera, as much as you are about getting as much of the, as capturing as much of those ears or eyeballs as possible. But would that be correct? That and trying to get the most out of the time and effort that I'm putting into content creation. Uh, uh, Jim, I think you heard me say several, several years ago that life is content use it. So that's, that's basically what I'm doing. I know I need audio content. I need video content. I eventually need somebody to use that, those pieces of media and turn it into written content as well. I'm trying to do all of those things as efficiently as I possibly can. And so I'm using the technology in order to do that. So as you go along, um, do you think you're going to find channels that are more rewarding for you or more beneficial to you? Um, will you naturally be drawn to spend more time on those channels or in the new um, emerging media world is the shotgun approach probably the best uh, best use of limited time? So, so it's it's funny because it's probably a little bit of both and here's why. With the emergent technology that I'm able to use, so going back to the recast technology that allows me to simulcast, I can do one live video event and do it multi-channel. 
what's brilliant in the in the tech is that any comments that happen in channel like some people may be watching us on linkedin others on facebook another group on youtube all of the commentary threads and all of those different channels get fed back into the platform that i'm actually doing the broadcast by so regardless of what channel you're watching it on you're able to comment back to us and we can respond to it in real time so in that case I'm just going to keep doing it because wherever that audience happens to be, I can respond to them. So, so, so does it identify in, where the message is coming from or do you have yes. to notice that it's in all caps so you can see it's coming from parlor? So it, <laughs> luckily I don't think recast broadcasts to parlor, so I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, that's part of the system. It actually has the little uh, channel logo on it. So I know, which channel that is coming from, as well as whatever username and, and all of the pertinent information that makes that comment valuable to me, it's all there. Uh, I, I really am, am loving the tech. But after the live broadcast, after that moment of real-time engagement, where I'm going to spend my time is where we're continuing to get latent engagement so even though I may broadcast and get all kinds of stuff going on in the moment across several channels, at the end of the day, it might be Facebook, it might be Instagram that gets long-term engagement. People continue to ask questions or maybe they're clicking the share button more in Facebook than any place else. I'm going to pay attention to that in the long run. Make sense? Well, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to pay attention to where my my user behavior goes. I think I think one of the things I'm having a hard time rewrapping my head around um, the last couple of years, we've been teaching ourselves and teaching our clients to um, create content for the audience that's reading it. Um, and I know that there's I, I made a joke about all caps in parlor and. Um, <laughs> It's a different audience than you would find, say, over at Instagram or you would find um, increasingly over, over at Facebook um, or at Twitter. Um, and it has different needs, different um, biases, different ideas, um, and different ways of expressing itself. And we've been trying to teach our clients and, 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 and ourselves to write to those audiences because, you know, everybody, everybody wants to hear the story in the way that they're prepared to hear it. And... It's almost refreshing, but again, hard to wrap one's head around. Just make the message, throw it out there, and see what comes back at you. Well, now the unifying factor becomes the brand and the brand's voice, rather than trying to reach this tiny sliver of my customer base here and that tiny sliver of my customer base here. Guess what? The thing that they have in common is your brand. They're all your customer. Now, the other things that particular bits of my customer base relate to that's that's their personal life it doesn't quite have as much to do with the brand as it does with the customer now if i'm really doing a good job do i need to understand who my customers are and what other things they might have affinity for sure but at the end of the day this is what and this is what I've been telling people for the last decade is your brand is your brand is your brand, regardless on on whatever channel that customer finds you and our customers 
expect for us to behave the same no matter where they find us. Because the truth is, thanks to the internet, we engage with brands on several different social media channels. We engage with them on their own website. We're being exposed to advertising messages on places on other websites. It's important that your brand be your brand. Okay, we have to take a break. We have to reach um, our segment of the of the listening audience. Um, when when we come back, I want to start talking a little bit about the the, the business of um, advertising and messaging in social media and and planning for the new realities moving into 2021, 2022. Oh, Before we is- get there, this is um, Jim from Detroit's Media and Dave Davis from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We uh, we're speaking with Michelle Simpson Ross from Mindful Appy. Um, we got to take uh, uh, a quick commercial break, but we are right back after these messages. Stick around. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best? Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 11th of February, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies, Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave and I are joined by Michelle Simpson Ross, Marketing Director at Mindful Appy and the go to person in. Uh, around social media. Um, it's been an interesting talk. I, I, I honestly, Michelle, I did not expect um, the conversation to go the direction it's gone in. I, I <laughs> thought we were going to be talking about individual social networks and having to get into the nitty gritty about the individual networks and the differences between the two. Because in the end, we're here advertising goods, services, products, brands, companies to, um, mm-hmm. to our clients' audiences. Um, and all of that, you know, all of that requires strategy, budgets, um, a, a heck of a lot of digital assets before before moving, even getting going. If you're to start a new social campaign today for the the mythical product Blue Widgets, um, it's a, it's a manufacturing product. Uh, product. Um, what are some of the essential steps you need to take? Um, Again, thinking that we're trying to approach many different platforms rather than individual platforms. 
what's my budget? <laughs> okay. You um you, you have a moderate Obviously. budget. How's that? You got a realistic budget for, 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 for what it's worth. Well, I mean, is that a realistic budget for an SMB or are we talking a realistic budget for an enterprise company? Because those are two vastly different things. And the difference between a realistic mind. budget in the minds of the person like you who's managing it or a realistic mm -hmm. budget in the mind of the business owner that tends to be smaller. <laughs> what is theater of the mind? Take it wherever your mind would take it. <laughs> well, it, first of all, I'm going to sit very carefully and think, okay, Blue Widgets, that sounds B to B to me. So I'm going to be paying attention to where I'm likely to find B2B customers for that widget that's going to go into whatever machinery that widget needs to go into. So, so audience analysis. Not right. One. There's going to be a degree of audience analysis. Is this a cheap blue widget that, you know, is fairly easy to acquire and breaks often in a, you know, is this a light bulb or is this, you know, a huge piece of machinery? So the cost of, you know, whatever the widget is, is also a factor here. Is this, you know, is this a long-term decision or is this a pretty short-term decision? All of those things factor into which channel I'm going to choose or honestly, which channels I'm going to choose and how I'm going to allocate budget to each channel. There's usually that requires a lot of testing. We might start with Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and then find where we're actually getting value, where we're getting a low cost of business acquisition and a high degree of conversion for that acquisition. And then dial it into just the thing that is really doing what we need it to do from a business perspective. So there's a lot involved, but that that's kind of my general process is like, where am I likely to find the audience that is going to buy that thing? And how can I get in front of them in a way that's cost effective? One of the things that, that I hit and I'm, I'm not a social media person, right? Like, I just, I don't really get people in that context. That's, that's not my space to be in. Um, but I can tell when I see train wrecks, when I, when I, when I look at them and go, wow, that's a fire. Um, so one, one thing I'd, I'd watched a company do and, and they did well, I was looking at a different thing, but I just happened to stumble on their, their pages. Um, and they did super elite boats, like power boats, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of a, a consumer, but definitely rich consumer. And on their Facebook page, they were speaking to people in our age group and, and probably demographic, right? Like the people mm -hmm. with the money um, that are going to be buying these things. But then I looked at their Instagram page and saw, oh no, they're there targeting their kids. Like absolutely, they've got like 20 year olds on these boats looking great, right? And it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, they're just presenting themselves. This is where the buyers are. They're over here, but they, they did that well. How do you, I, I didn't advise on that, nor would I even pretend to be able to, but how would you go about that? Like, how do you, they just happen to have staff that could do that. But when you're taking that on or advising a company, how do you go, not only do you need to be on these two channels, but you need to find and hire somebody who can speak to millennials over here. And then you need to find somebody who can speak to their parents over here. And you can find somebody who speaks to the B2B side over here, but the B2B, B2C side over here. So that the B2B can sell their product. Like, how do you deal with all that management of, of different voices? 
it's going to take time. So Jim's hypothetical was, what if I'm doing this for the very first time, right? So those types of considerations and decisions are actually made longer term. I will also say that there needs to be a realistic expectation of what social media advertising in and of itself is going to do because for the most part, where I found success is that low cost of acquisition and awareness. I find them for the very first time in social media because they're in social media, not at all thinking about high end power boats, but because they they are the right target audience for it. They see that really cool power boat in Facebook and they're like, ooh, okay, that's interesting. I'd like to know more, okay? So they're nowhere near ready to buy a power boat, but we got their attention. And we can continue to leverage on that attention until they're like, you know what? COVID, I'm not gonna be able to go to the Bahamas this year. I think I'll buy a boat instead. Right. And it's going to keep you six feet from anybody near away from you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you need to understand kind of where social media fits into the buying cycle. And honestly, I think the best thing that social media does for us is it gets the attention of our likely audience at a very, very, very low cost. Guys, I cannot get the attention of somebody who's just in curiosity mode for low budget in Google the way I can in Facebook or Instagram or any place else, right? And the truth is that as I take them through the buying cycle, they're probably going to get touches in other channels. For instance, let's let's stick with Dave's boat example for just a moment. Let's say I got the user's attention for the first time with a really cool video on Facebook because it's the right age range, right? They're probably not watching video on Instagram, but they are on Facebook. I got their attention. I'm retargeting them. Maybe I got them all the way to the website and I'm still retargeting them, right? Right? Okay, based on the pages that they're visiting, I might continue to retarget them with much more specific information the second time around on Facebook, but I might also have picked them up on my LinkedIn pixel. And because I know a lot more about their job title, their income, those sorts of things. I, I'm able to focus more in LinkedIn based around their ability to purchase. I might start hitting them up there too. Now I'm not gonna see them as often in LinkedIn because let's face it, most people, if they even check in on their LinkedIn on a regular basis, they don't check it as often as they do Facebook. Not by a long shot. Okay, hold on, if I'm lucky they might be there once a month. Uh, you're trying to tell me I shouldn't feel so guilty as I feel? I feel I feel terrible. I, I, I go to LinkedIn maybe once a month, literally. I hate it there. <laughs> I was right about the once a month. No, active daily users are much higher on, say, Facebook or Instagram or, or dare I say, TikTok <laughs> than they are on LinkedIn, it's it's totally different use case. And Not you have cat to... videos, even though there's a whole bunch of lawyers. Nah, people, I, it's like now LinkedIn. LinkedIn was too late to the game, I think, on the whole video thing, and it's people are not going to go start checking into LinkedIn to now get, you know, video training. When yeah, 
the, the stuff that I can find on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and every place else is far more entertaining and still just as useful. Thanks. Yeah, we are we are on the bleeding edge of time, as we we always said if you're on the show. Um, <laughs> we're also entering uh, in the in the search world and in the in the, in the in the paid search world. Uh, there's a great deal of, of of worry about this. We're entering a cookie free world. Um, are people talking in the social in the social environment about how to track um, user engagement in a post cookie world? Do you do, do you know how the how the um, social media platforms are are, are are going to be handling that? The social media platforms have been completely mum about this, and yeah, it's going to complicate things. But no, not really. Kind of the same way that. Uh, Google gave us keywords insights and then Google taketh away the rest of the world is gave us cookies and they taketh the cookies away. Well, well Google's going to be using cohorts of interest, you know, that's how Google's going to be tracking people. Is there similar stuff? I mean, Facebook is already sort of organized like this anyway, right? Right, right. I can basically do the same things that I'm doing. The cookies right now, make it really easy to retarget and kind of take somebody specifically step by step by step because I'm, I can identify what pages on my website they visited, how far along in the journey are they, and match up my advertising messages to the journey. But truth be told, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. Your brand is your brand is your brand. And if you are consistently telling the same story in all of the places, all of this stuff still works, whether you're using the cookies or not. Okay, and Michelle, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it at that. We have gone full clock, full circle, and uh, thank you so much for spending for spending this hour with us. Thank you. Friends, that was uh, Michelle Simpson-Ross, a marketing director of Mindful Appy, a startup in the mental health space, um, and, and one of our go-tos on uh, social media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the 11th of February, 2021. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Adger from Digital Always Media, reminding y'all that COVID is real. Um, we may be rounding the corner, see the end in sight, uh, coming close to the finish line, but it's still transmissible. Transmission rates are still going upwards, not downwards. Um, we have new variants out there. Please wear masks, social distance, wash your hands, stay away from other people, keep working from home as much as you possibly can. Let's bend, stomp, mutilate, and flatten the curve and get out of this with our society, economy, and sanity intact. Friends, be kind to each other, rank well. We will talk to you next week. Stay tuned for more great programming on WMR. Talk to you soon. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.